This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiaki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiaki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome to the Science of Magic, a place where science and magic come together to transform fact into evolving truth. We're proudly coming to you through the ever-expanding Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, and can also be found on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring Read My Muzzle. I was proficient in animal communication years before realizing I was actually doing it. I used to entertain the family by speaking for our pets. Looking at their body language and circumstance, I would express what I imagined they were thinking. For example, one evening we were having steaks for dinner. My mother set the steaks out on the counter before giving her dachshund Fritz his Gainsburger. He looked at his bowl, then to the steaks on the counter, before looking up at my mother with a disgusted expression. You seriously expect me to eat that with the smell of steaks in the air? I spoke for him. He promptly turned on his paw and stalked out of the kitchen, leaving his Gainsburger untouched. I later came to recognize the dialogue I imagined was a metaphorical representation of what animals were really feeling. It came in handy with my search and rescue dogs. I heard them in my mind's ear saying things like, How do you expect me to catch a scent with that woman's stench in my muzzle? The woman in question was wearing perfume. Other times I would hear, let me have another sniff of that sock, when a dog would need to reference the scent of a missing person again. Many times their feedback helped me optimize their ability to perform in the field. One of my golden retrievers was more kinesthetic. I could feel what she felt, but never got anything verbal. When she wanted to communicate something, she'd sit down in front of me and look directly into my eyes. Once she was sure she had my attention, she'd look in the direction of what she wanted me to see. She went with me on my wilderness programs and inevitably drew my attention to students who were in distress. One day, she sat in front of me, trying to get something across, but I couldn't figure out what it was. 
She kept looking for me to a gentleman in our group, but he didn't seem to be having any difficulty. I'm sorry, Najee. I don't know what you're trying to tell me, I informed her. Suddenly, clear as day, in my mind's ear I heard, Read my muzzle. I don't like him. I was shocked. Him? I clarified, looking at the man in question. Yes, him, she responded, looking over her shoulder at him again. Why? You like everyone. You're a golden. Not him. He has no heart. Forewarned, I kept my eye on the man and discovered he was not only using cocaine, but started behaving inappropriately towards the women in class. Needless to say, he was promptly expelled. Is that what Najee really said? I don't think so. Dogs don't do language the same way we do. I think her intent was transmuted through my imagination into the appropriate language. Is that what she was really trying to communicate? Yes, absolutely. Over the years we worked together, her instincts were 100%. I networked with the holistic veterinarian. He sent animals to me when he was having trouble with the diagnosis. One particular dog was brought to me by her owner. She'd stopped eating and was showing signs of distress, but they couldn't figure out what was going on. When I squatted down in front of her and asked her to show me what was wrong, my eyes and muzzle hurt, and I developed the headache from hell. Now, I don't have a muzzle, but I have had sinus infections, and this felt like one to me. The vet later said that was exactly what had been wrong with the dog. After antibiotics, she was right as rain. Dumb animals indeed. They speak loud and clear. We just don't listen. Our guest this hour is Vincent Jenna. A skill, he's skilled in animal communication, medical intuitive, and soul-to-soul readings. He combines his formidable psychic abilities and impressive academic credentials in his work. Vincent uses his 33 years of training, research, and expertise as a metaphysician and a psychotherapist and a spiritual teacher to delve deep in the psyche, empowering his clients. After this commercial break, I'll introduce Vincent, and together we'll explore medical intuitive skills and the amazing trans-species communication open to us all if we only listen. So don't go. This is Johanna Carroll, host of Dialogue with Divinity on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. While walking along Kanapali Beach in Maui this past year, I kept discovering all these shells and coral in the shape of hearts. My dialogue with divinity was very simple. Do you want me to do a retreat to heal people's hearts in Maui next year? And of course, the answer was yes. As a master spiritual teacher, I am offering you a neat retreat called Rise, May 8th through the 12th, 2017. And the chance of a lifetime to rest at a five-star resort for five days and experience a spiritual renewal of your heart and soul. Kanapali is one of the top five beaches in the world. This stunning resort has undergone a $40 million renovation. I walked the entire property, checked out the room choices on your behalf, and I must say it is stunning. Our conference room faces the ocean with sliding glass doors. Maui is known as Mother Maui because it is a soft, gentle, healing energy. In the embrace of Mother Maui, you will feel yourself rising from the limitations of an ordinary life to an extraordinary journey of peace, bliss, and harmony, a greater sense of clarity. Our Rise Retreat ignites renewal in the sacred elements of air, water, earth, fire, and wind. There's plenty of free time to enjoy all that Maui has to offer. A small deposit is required now to reserve your space as this retreat, it will sell out. For more details, please go to johannacarroll.com and register today. Aloha and I'll see you in mystical Maui. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. 
Mnemology science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Mnemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life has no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is a metaphysician, psychotherapist, and spiritual teacher, Vincent Jenna. He's skilled in animal communication, medical intuitive, and soul-to-soul readings. Vincent's website is vincentjenna.com. That's V-I-N-C-E-N-T-G-E-N-N-A.com. Vincent, thank you so much for joining us on the Science of Magic. Oh, well, Gwilda, thank you so much for inviting me. This is so exciting. I loved your first segment. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's fun working with the animals, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is, and your explanation of it was absolutely perfect and spot on. I can't tell you how many people ask me, do do dogs really talk? And I'm like, well, it actually takes a human ear to hear the words. They talk amongst themselves in their own language, but they're not words. And so uh, it's, it's interesting what people want to believe about the animals, but with the way you just explained it was perfect. So when did you discover you had animal communication skills, Vincent? Well, that just happened fairly recently. I've been a psychic medium for over 33 years, and as you know, time went on, things started opening, and I actually had a friend of mine ask me to become involved with them with my first animal communication, and they wanted me to try to connect with a war dog. And the interesting aspect is because I'm a medium, this particular war dog's handler was killed in Afghanistan on their, on their first um, mission. Okay, and so I was like, wow, that could be really interesting if I can get the spirit of the handler and the dog reunited. Well, I'll try. Let me see what happens. And it was so easy to connect, but primarily because I have so much work as a psychic anyway, I'm open to energy. I'm open to communication. I guess if I stood in front of a tree, I can probably diagnose what's wrong with the tree too. You know what I'm saying? We all can once we have that open ability because energy is energy. So it's only been for the past this year in 2016 that these projects happened. And so that was very exciting and it led into something I haven't had on my website yet, but communicating with a very famous gorilla. Uh, Gorilla? (laughs) Uh, That's what I said. I said gorilla. And, And I have to tell you what's really funny about this. 
Um, so I'm, you know, talking to my family. My wife is very supportive. She goes with me everywhere. She's my business manager. She believes in everything that I do. And we're on the phone with my daughter, and she knows everything I do, and she loves it. And and I we turn around and we tell her, you know, oh, Dad just made a communication with the famous sign languaging gorilla here in the United States, Coco. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. Coco had put out a message last year during Earth Day, uh, a sign language message saying that uh, we're messing up the earth, (laughs) that humans are stupid, and that we have to fix and correct it quickly, quickly, okay? So that's what led my friend to contact me because they had done work with Coco in the past and they asked me to communicate with Coco if I could. And it was amazing when I did. So here I am, we're telling my daughter that, yeah, it was amazing. I connected with Coco. And, and she turns around and she says, I don't know, Dad. This seems to be getting weird. I mean, communicating with a, a gorilla. I said, honey, you think that's weird? I talk with dead people. That you don't think is weird? And so it, we, we had a good laugh over that. It's like, if you could talk to dead people, you might as well include a gorilla in on it. <laughs> so how, would you describe what it's like? How do animals communicate with you personally? Oh, it's, it's really interesting. I, I'd love to find out how it happens with you. But I literally will ask first what I what I, I thought I felt this this animal um, in my mind in my mind's ear and and I asked it is it okay if I communicate with you if I talk with you and the interesting thing is is dealing with dogs and dealing with a gorilla was two different communications see I am or was a dog trainer and one of the things that, you know, we had learned very early on in our dog training from veterinarian is that dogs actually have the learning capacity of a four-year-old child. So with that in my mind, whenever I communicated with a dog, it sounded like I was talking with a four-year-old child. The words came out differently, uh, very short sentences, um, not, not overusage of long words, very simple words. When I was talking with Coco, it was almost talking with a human. So I would hear very clearly in my mind uh, things she wanted to express, and it was highly emotional. It wasn't like left brain thinking. It was right brain emotions. So I felt everything that she was saying as well as hearing the words. So it was very interesting. And and Coco happens to be female, and so I'm not sure if in the animal kingdom, quite honestly, if there is a separation the same way as humans in the left brain and the right brain, but uh, there is definitely an emotional sense. So I felt her. I really felt what she was trying to say to me, and it was so interesting the energy the energy it was a very powerful energy i mean obviously gorillas are on a higher order of the animal kingdom uh, and probably probably the closest to humans other than dolphins and whales because they have very huge brains and they also can communicate very easily with humans Ooh, have you worked with dolphins and whales no, I'm jealous. My friend actually is formed a music company that creates music for animals, okay? And that's how I got involved, because they normally use a pet psychic that they bring in, and if there's an animal having some type of distress, or emotional distress, they get the pet psychic to communicate with the animal, and based on what the pet psychic says, they make a song. They write a song for the animal. That's how they became um, involved with Coco, because they wrote an entire album for Coco, but they also wrote songs for the Pink Dolphins. Apparently, there's an organization that cares for some pink dolphins out there in the ocean. I didn't even know that there was a difference. And they brought in the animal communicator. And see, we used to communicate with the dolphins in Atlantis. The dolphins used to tell us what was going on in the oceans as well as what was going on celestially. Well, how, because, how, 
how do you think that communicating with animals can help us take better care of the earth and all of our oh, relations? Oh, wow. That is such an excellent question. Coco said to me, and here's what was interesting and was so fascinating and why I wanted to get involved with Coco. Coco said that she is part of the earth, that she is just like a bird, just like a tree, and just like the earth. But she said humans aren't. She says humans are not connected directly yeah, you know, that, to the that earth. Is- that is sad, the way we've totally disconnected. And I think that when we disconnected from the earth, we disconnected from the animals. You know, the ancient practice of shamanism was and is practiced by individuals with psychic abilities. My original teacher yep. told me there were several predispositions to the psychic gift, a traumatic childhood, head injury, near-death experience, and genetic predisposition. Where do you think your gift, gift originated from? Oh, that why this was all set up. This was a, uh, a destiny for me that I created before I incarnated on the earth because everything that happened in life happened in my life happened specifically to lead me to where I am today. And at the age of 28 is when it fully opened. And it opened because I had a, an unselfish act of asking for abilities to be able to help a dear friend of mine whose life was falling apart, and then others like him who had hard times in their life. I came from a very tormented background in youth until I was 17 years old, and so that torment helped me to understand people's pains. And so that's when things started opening up for me. But the way they opened up, and when I look back, my dear friend who helped me, who was the catalyst for this opening, also was my greatest tormentor in school and caused me to have a lot of abuse by other students and, and my peers in school. So when I look at that, I say the same guy who caused so much of my torment also caused my greatest gifts. This had to be part of a plan. So I know I was predestined for this. Mm. Why do you think it is that the torment um, opens us up to the psychic ability, um, you know, the uh, traumatic no, childhood? I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe that it's the torment that does that. I believe we set ourselves up in order to be able to relate to people. For example, you will never see a non-alcoholic person leading an Alcoholics Anonymous group because nobody would be able to relate to that guy or that girl. You know, it's just like, how do you know what alcoholism is? You've not even suffered it yourself. I believe we set up the torment based on the idea that we want to be a messenger, we want to be a helper, and we think we need to go through hell in order to be able to relate to and others relate to us. No, it doesn't bring it out. That's, that's a misunderstanding that people have. Uh, because, and here's the point, I also deal with a lot of people that are meant to be messengers who also went through torment, but they didn't make the right choices in their lives, and instead of becoming the messenger, their lives were going right towards a brick wall, and, and they were going downhill. So it's about the choices, and I feel very blessed over the fact that I did make the right choices, because I could have been the kid that picked up a gun and went into the school and shot up everybody. Or I can have been, well, there was a famous um, group, uh, two brothers here called the Menendez brothers, who wound up offing their parents because of the abuse that they went through. I could have been one of them, but I didn't choose that, Gwilda. I chose going straight on in my life. And, and I had a resilience, too. I was a very a special singer, actor, and dancer as a child. I had a lot of talent. And so getting up on a stage and hearing applause kept me from offing myself, killing myself, or anybody else. And, and then finally at 28 when this happened for me, again, I had the choice and the free will to go in the direction of being the spiritual teacher. Otherwise, I could have just thrown it all the way as so many people have. You know, choices is so important, and I think that uh, if we take responsibility for our choices, take responsibility for our experience, we can transmute anything into something positive. Don't you agree? Oh, my gosh. It's all about... While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. 
During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at... Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life has no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, What Happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. 
Our guest this hour is metaphysician, psychotherapist, animal communicator, medical intuitive, and spiritual teacher, Vincent Jenna. Vincent, what do you think, do you think everyone has psychic ability? I totally believe that we are created with that. The moment we were created, we were given all abilities and all knowledge. Carl Jung, who was one of the students of uh, Freud, Sigmund Freud, he called it the collective unconscious mind or the superconscious mind or the mind of God, where all information resides. And so we're part of that. We're tapped into that. The only difference between me and a layperson is that I spent the time to open up, try to be attached to it, clear my passageways, and did all the work I could to improve upon the ability. But everybody can learn it. I even teach it to people who've had no experience at all, whether to be a psychic, a medium, an animal communicator. Everyone can open up that door. Where, where did you, uh, you... You're a psychotherapist, that's correct? I was a psychotherapist. I don't practice with a license anymore because... I wanted to be able to go deeper, and I wanted to be able to use my psychic ability. I was a psychic first, and then I didn't like the idea of just calling myself a psychic and sticking out a palm in, you know, in the middle of the road, roadway and call me Brother Vinny you know, next to Sister Sarah, the psychic. And so I went back to school full-time and got my psychotherapy degree, and I started practicing as a psychotherapist, but then I come to realize that you do have to follow certain policies and, and legislature that, that is controlling psychotherapists here in the United States. I'm not sure how it is anywhere else in the world, but I was limited as to what I was able to do. And it would take so long, and I'd be sitting there knowing already what that person's problem was, and waiting until they came up with an answer. And I finally said, that's it. I'm going to stop being a psychotherapist. I'm now I'm not afraid to call myself a psychic. I'm going to get right into it, dive into their psyche. And I do 12, hour, 12, I'm sorry, 12 years of therapy in one hour time as a psychic <laughs> versus 12 years of therapy as a psychotherapist. Got it. So what advice do you have for people hoping to develop their psychic abilities? I mean, most of us don't think we're psychic. How, how can we now, turn that well, around? First, well, Grilda, most people don't believe in themselves in anything. You know, so, <laughs> so, yes, it is difficult. To turn it around, the first thing we need to do is we need to clear our blockages, okay? We need to bring to the surface all of those deep-seated feelings and beliefs that are in the unconscious mind that is blocking all of our gifts and, the, and making the right choices. I was saying earlier about choices and choices we made here. It's all personal. Everything that we see in our external life and in, in the world is reflective of what's going on internally. There's all this negative stuff that we are holding in from when we were little kids. I call them the I'm not, the I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, I'm not smart enough, I, I'm not deserving. Those were all created from us, for us from those negative messages we received when we were children. Now, we think once we become adults that we are completely non-influenced by that inner child's mind. That's not true. In actuality, we spend most of our adulthood creating defense mechanisms and a new set of beliefs to help protect us from the original set of beliefs. So we're not even forming beliefs today based on a clean slate. We're forming beliefs that are going to make us feel better about our old beliefs. So instead of saying, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, we can turn around and we can say, oh, she's a terrible spouse or he's a terrible boss or it's not it's not my fault it's my neighbor's fault that i'm so upset so we create these new beliefs and and that blocks all our intuition all our greatest gifts so that's why most people don't believe that they're psychic but they have psychic experiences all the time because our intuitive part, our soul's mind is trying to get messages squeezing through the cracks of those defense mechanisms and defense beliefs. And every so often we'll get that intuitive feeling. But then what winds up happening is we'll get an intuitive feeling, I need to move, I need to get a new job, it's going to be better. 
and we talk ourselves out of it because of the fears we have, because of the lack of self-belief that we have. So the left brain starts thinking and says, nah, that's not a good idea. I need a, I need a steady income. I can't take a chance to go after a dream job. I can't take a chance in this relationship. I can't take a chance moving to a different location. And we talk ourselves out of it. We've got to clear the passageways. We've got to clear the negativities, and you will automatically open your psychic abilities. Of course, practice makes perfect, but that's what you need to do first, Wilda. So let me see if I've got this right. Uh, From what you're saying, as we grow up, we sustain damage. We all know this. It's a little bumpy ride around here. But then that puts us into guilt and shame, and we avoid going in where we think we're going to find the guilt and shame, project it outwards, and therefore we don't have contact with ourselves. If we don't have contact with ourselves, we don't have contact with our intuition or psychic ability. Did I get that right? Actually, that's really good. I mean, you, you, did, you did my lectures in a Reader's Digest condensed version. I love that. You're very concise. Yes, that's exactly what happens. We feel bad about ourselves, so we avoid going there, and so we create these false beliefs in order to stop us from feeling bad about ourselves. But all of those feeling bad about yourselves, they're all non those were created for us, like I said, our environment, the way we were treated, the, the abuse we went through, all that negativity, and it has nothing to do with what's truth, true about us. We're magnificent divine beings. We are wonderful. We've just forgotten that. And so once we can get past that layer of feeling terrible, We can get to our magnificence, but you've got to admit the terrible feelings before you can get there, and most people don't like doing that. So the key is know yourself, truly know yourself. Truly know yourself, absolutely, truly know yourself, and allow it to release. It is so bad, Gwilda, that that's the cause of every single illness that you have ever heard of, every disease, Every, because we're energy is having a physical experience. That means energy manipulates matter. Physicality is all matter. So therefore, our energy, which gets controlled by our feelings, controls our bodies. So those diseases that people are experiencing, and like I was also a hospice social worker, and I helped to transition over 500 patients all right? I've seen all the diseases that you can die of, and they're all caused from those inner feelings never dealt with, never resolved, never healed, and we implode because of that energy that we are. We're actually imploding, turning it into cancers and all these horrible diseases. And that's because we're not aligned with our true expression, therefore we're expressing distortion that eventually takes up residence in the body in illness. Yes, absolutely. It it can't help it. You have a thought, it manipulates an energy. That energy has to go somewhere. The law of physics says that energy can never be destroyed. It can only be redirected and manipulated. Where is it going to go? Collectively, it goes to the earth. That's why we're hurting the earth. Individually, it's held in the body. That's why energy workers can be efficient in their work, because they're releasing blocked energy. But if you don't do that, that energy stays inside of you. It's negative energy. It's got to affect the body. It's going to direct your cells, all the organs inside of you. And so it will create all that dis-ease that we go through. Isn't it interesting that we, uh, the earth holds the reflection of true balance, and yet we're distorting the earth, and we're distorting our ability to find true balance in the earth. How do you see we can turn that around? Uh, it, it, it all turns around with us. It starts with us. It ends with us. Everything is about us. Everything is about the individual. Everything is about you. While you're alive, everything is about you. While I'm alive, everything is about me. My interaction with you not only affects you, it affects me because we're all one. So if we heal the individual, we will heal the earth. There are so many organizations on the face of the earth trying to heal things, make things better. But we've had these organizations, we've had community watches since the beginning of people. 
you know, in, in, in all different forms. It's not working that way because we're expending our energy in an outer group rather than an inner group. If there is going to be a group, it should be one that helps people continue to learn how to heal their own personal lives, heal the world, heal the choices, heal everything by healing your own personal life. And what's going on in the world today is the universe helping us by bringing to the surface all the negativity that we've been hiding. It's kind of like there's a new cleansing face cream being used, a pimple cream being used. When, when women go out and get new pimple cream, right, and, and cleansers, all of a sudden they see their face can be breaking out. And they're like, oh, my gosh, this cream isn't working. This cleanser isn't working. It's giving me more pimples. When in actuality, it's bringing the deep-seated dirt to the surface. And it's finally going to flake it off and release it. That's what's happening in the world today. The deep-seated dirt that we sweep under the carpet individually in our own lives and collectively is coming to the surface. So if we clear up and clean our own inner dirt, we will clean the world dirt that's going on. Well, that makes perfect sense because if we indeed are co-creators, if indeed our frequency or our belief system creates outward reality, it doesn't make any sense to try to fix it from the outside in, does it? No, it doesn't, but everybody does that. Everybody does that. That's why you go to the doctor. What do they do? They give you medications and pills, right? They're, they're trying to fix it from the outside in when the inside is really your feeling, your negativity, something you've been through that's causing the issue, but they're always putting Band-Aids on things rather than going to the source. Um, contemporary doctors, modern doctors, are now understanding biofeedback and spirituality much more than they ever have before. I go to my own doctor who he knows. I turn around and I tell him, yeah, my back went out because I, got, I was afraid. There was new things going on in my life, and I didn't admit that I was afraid of what was happening, and all of a sudden my back went out. And he turned around and he said, well, that makes perfect sense to me. And, and it was like, that's great. That's why I go to that doctor, because we're, they're understanding now how our thought process, how our beliefs affects everything we experience. And matter of fact, so many of our health issues today are This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Dot com.
wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. What Happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. This is Johanna Carroll, host of Dialogue with Divinity on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. While walking along Kanapali Beach in Maui this past year, I kept discovering all these shells and coral in the shape of hearts. My Dialogue with Divinity was very simple. Do you want me to do a retreat to heal people's hearts in Maui next year? And of course, the answer was yes. As a master spiritual teacher, I am offering you a neat retreat called RISE, May 8th through the 12th, 2017, and the chance of a lifetime to rest at a five-star resort for five days and experience a spiritual renewal of your heart and soul. Kanapali is one of the top five beaches in the world. This stunning resort has undergone a $40 million renovation. I walked the entire property, checked out the room choices on your behalf, and I must say it is stunning. Our conference room faces the ocean with sliding glass doors. Maui is known as Mother Maui because it is a soft, gentle, healing energy. In the embrace of Mother Maui, you will feel yourself rising from the limitations of an ordinary life to an extraordinary journey of peace, bliss, and harmony a greater sense of clarity. Our RISE retreat ignites renewal in the sacred elements of air, water, earth, fire, and wind. There's plenty of free time to enjoy all that Maui has to offer. A small deposit is required now to reserve your space as this retreat, it will sell out. For more details, please go to johannacarroll.com and register today. Aloha, and I'll see you in mystical Maui. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiyaka. Our guest this hour is metaphysician, psychotherapist, animal communicator, medical intuitive, and spiritual teacher, Vincent Jenna. Vincent, let's talk a little bit about medical intuitive. 
What can you tell mm. us about being medical intuitive? Mm. That actually I had to develop even more so. It wasn't, it wasn't natural. I, I was getting some feelings about the body, but the way it started is, for me, when I had my spiritual awakening, the first thing that I was able to do was to do healing. But it wasn't coming into a picture in my mind's eye. It was coming through my hands. I, would, I could scan a person with my hands. I would feel heat sources build up in certain areas of the body where I knew that there were problems. So, and then I was able to release it. So that's how it started for me. Then, for some reason, I decided not to continue with my healing abilities and start to really perfect the psychic and mediumship abilities. Well, at a certain point several years ago, all of a sudden, I started getting visions in my mind about problems that people were going through. So now I literally, I can start at the top of the head of a person and just scan and envision their body, and then all of a sudden I would see hot spots and issues. And, and from that, from that ability now, I've sent people off, and they've caught cancers at the very beginning in the onset. Um, they've had answers to problems that they've had that doctors haven't been able to diagnose. So it's almost like Edgar Casey here in America was the foundation that I wound up receiving when I first had my awakening. And I really, really enjoyed learning all of his material and studying um, uh, all of his, his classes. And he did that. That's where he started his readings from, his medical intuitive readings. And so I try to really bring that in now so that I can really help people because there's so much illness going on. We're just talking about that. I'm like, Oh, my goodness, you've got to allow me to help people uh, pre-diagnose things and diagnose things. And so that's where it started, and now I can just envision it in my mind's eye. Got it. Okay, so you start to see, um, I think I've got it. In other words, you envision it in your mind's eye, so you get a metaphorical representation of what's going on in the body um, in your imagination or in your mind's eye. Is that what you're seeing? Well, it's, I can actually see if maybe there's a tumor somewhere. I can feel something in the blood. Um, if it's diabetes, um, I, I, food sensitivities, I just can go through intestinal issues, kidney issues. I'll see fatty deposits. It's almost like my mind is doing a CAT scan or an MRI of the entire body. That's, that's the way it appears to me. Now, it, it's not 100% you know, accurate. Uh, sometimes I see things of, of that happened in the past that a person had already healed and doesn't have a problem with. But if I'm still seeing an issue with that, then there's something emotional that's going on in the same area, even though it may not be physically going on. So I have to be able to interpret what I'm seeing also. Yeah, that's so important because um, what I found is, you know, from what you're telling me, it's just the same as a shamanic journey. You're focusing your ability to look into the body in different areas at different levels. So whether we're looking at microscopic or we're looking at the organ itself or we're looking at the structure, it's a different way of focusing. But the difficulty is when are you, not where are you? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah. When when am I? Is it something from the past? Is it something that's coming up? If they're not experiencing it now and they haven't experienced in the past, then it's definitely a red flag for me for something that's coming up that they can avoid. Um, so, like I said, like the precancer cells that I might see or the small tumors that could be turning into something really bad later on. So it, it's whatever I see come in, I honor it. If it's coming into my mind's eye, it's there for a reason. I honor it. I tell them, hold on to it. And sometimes it could be just the telling of them now caused the avoidance of it because they yeah. went, oh, okay, I'll be careful. And, exactly. and anything that causes a person to care about themselves and think about themselves is an aspect of self-love. And that aspect of self-love is healing right there because that's the reason why they got the illness to start with is because of the lack of self-love. So if I get them to care about themselves even for one minute and they turn around and they say, hey, you know what? Um, three months have gone by. Nothing's ever happened. Maybe you were wrong. I said, no, maybe you just avoided it because all you had to do is hear that. So that makes a difference too. 
I'm fortunate enough that I work in conjunction with medical doctors for a lot of years, and I've had my results repeatedly verified by MRIs and CAT scans, which really helps to – how do you tell about your accuracy? People, they, they contact me. They let me know. They let me know, oh, my gosh, you, my, uh, the doctor, I brought my father in, and the doctor said we caught it just in time. If you hadn't come earlier, this would have gone to a stage four automatically and real quick. Um, things like that. I'd get the validation through my clients and through repeat and through them talking to other people. You know, that's one of the best ways of getting validation. So, no, I don't always get a doctor calling me up and saying, thank you for referring so-and-so, Mr. Smith, you just saved his life. But I will have people call me and tell that. So, uh, to be the devil's advocate, how about psychosomatic suggestion? I mean, can we as medical intuitives speak something to our client and have them develop versus the other way around? Mm. You know how many people say that to me, okay, because they'll sit in front of me and I'm turning around and I'm saying, listen, you got to watch out for such and such because that's what's going on right now. And, and yes, could they create that if they focus on it? Well, of course, they can manifest anything. But I don't believe they're sitting in front of me and that that's going to happen. Because whatever I'm seeing, uh, I have been gifted and blessed with only things that can help them and never something that can hurt them. They're manifesting their own lives. Me pointing it out doesn't make it any different. And here's another example of that. When I was a psychotherapist, I can't tell you how many people are afraid to ask a depressed person, are you suicidal? Because they think if I ask that, it may put that thought in their mind. No, it doesn't. We cannot manipulate another person's thinking as easy as we think we can. So just by bringing it up does not instill the suggestion. It, if, if they start ruminating on it, they were ruminating on it before you even made the suggestion. I was usually the only one who would call out the elephant in the middle of the room, no matter what my practice was. The elephant is already there, Gwilda. So it's not that we're instilling it. It's not the power of suggestion. We're calling it out for a reason. They need to hear it no matter what, and it's always for a positive reason, not a negative reason. You know, I, I also use empathy to tell what's going on with someone. Do you do that as well? And if so, how can you tell what's going on with you and what's going on with the other person? Uh, define for me what you feel using empathy is when you're working with another person. Um, some, well, I, I sometimes I'll say, um, do you have a headache? Because <laughs> I was fine. They walk in, I get a headache. They said, yeah. I said, great. It'll leave when you do. So I literally feel in my body what's going on in another person sometimes. Right, and, and it's, it's interesting that you stop at and you, you, you gave that example. A good healing practitioner will only get minor feelings, not major. If they start taking on the major problems physically of that person, it's more their issue than it is that person's issue. I have had several occasions where a client comes and sits in front of me or I'm on the phone with them and I turn around and I say, for God's sakes, are you going through menopause right now? And the women will go, yes, absolutely. Why? I said, I just had the horrible hot flash. Thank you. I don't need that. Take it back. And so we <laughs> laugh about it, but it's minor. Yes, sometimes that does happen, but I know right away. I know how I'm feeling when I get into my sessions. And so if I feel something, it's to let me know, to really be specific. Again, it's for the other person and not me. Because if I'm feeling it, maybe that person needs that type of validation for the work we're going to do. And I believe that that's happening for you, too. Maybe just feeling the headache was, is going to be better than just saying, do you have a headache? You know what I mean? And it's always for that other person. So... You definitely, I got the energy of an expert in, on, that I'm on the phone with right now that you're hosting your show, without a doubt. So you're going there, unlike some other practitioners, you're, you can, and it's always for the validation of your client and the person you're talking with. So I do the same thing. Yeah, it's like I listen with my body and it just gives me more information, but you have to be mindful not to take it on. I, yeah, I'm at the point that I don't, I, I just automatically feel that. It's kind of like, because I'm used to working with 
lost souls and ghost types of things and negative energies and I never worry about taking it on because I I feel I'm at a point where I'm automatically protected and as long as I, what I do is I fill my spiritual bank when I'm not working with people by walking my talk doing my internal work doing my own cleansing and by filling that spiritual bank it acts automatically for me in any negative situation I may be in it's all about keeping our frequency up. You know, Vincent, time flies and we're out of it. I can't thank you enough for being with us.